All right, I'm gonna go over quick nine insights I've learned the last 15 years. This is gonna just take 10 minutes, 12 minutes. A couple of these slides came up in a couple of my other talks since we started the show on those slides and I go through it lightning fast. I know a few of you weren't here uh, for that. Uh, but we started this club in 2007. Go over that later. All right, so first thing is to focus on one to three areas and really go deep on one to three areas. Brian Tracy always gave the analogy that um, if you compete, like let's say you have a disposable camera and you compete against what, this $80,000 camera in the back we're using for live streaming, you can take a better picture with a disposable camera if you focus and that camera can't focus. So if you're competing against a gorilla, um, you can focus on the most valuable area of the market or focus on the strategy that's growing the fastest and compete better than the large firm perhaps because they take so long to move and make a decision and they'll never be known for doing that one thing that's in the hottest demand because they're known for doing everything. Goldman Sachs will never be known for the number one group to go to if you want to start a family office. And they haven't bothered to write a book on it. They haven't bothered to do podcasts and YouTube things on it. So why am I found instead of Goldman Sachs when you look to start a family office? That should not be the case, right? But I can focus, they can't, and they have a big brand and they need to feed their 50,000 employees. So they're not going to give up everything else. Play your own unique game. This matters whether you're raising capital or running a family office. We talked about this uh, in pretty good detail, so I'm not gonna go over this again, but once you do focus, design a really unique game that you're playing around that, that none of your competitors are playing, or one or two other people are, but maybe nobody in your region, city, or state. Uh, obtain strategic choke points. Um, we looked at this slide earlier, but this is an example of how we, we've done so. Um, we grew to have the number one website in the family office space with familyoffices.com that then got us um, a number one group on LinkedIn. We had the most family offices that registered in our LinkedIn group. We then got a uh, best-selling book through uh, Wiley and then Bloomberg and then another book with Wiley. We then acquired and built up 42 different LinkedIn groups on social media with over a million members that helped grow our conferences. Um, and then having that of the conferences and the books and that credibility got us better speakers on stage and then that propelled the business forward to be able to bring in partners to buy commercialrealestate.com, billionaire.com, etc. So some of these choke points cost absolutely no money. I want to point that out. It's not about spending a whole bunch of money out spend other people. Um, I started this business with less money in my bank account than I owed for rent that month in Harvard Square. So there's no excuse not to use this strategy because you don't have the money. All right, this slide is really important for, I think, every single person in the room, especially those who have just sold their business or trying to figure out where their family office should focus next. Um, and it's really taking the Jim Collins hedgehog concept of, like, where's your DNA, your passion, where you can make the most money, and knowing that if you don't look at all three factors, somebody else is going to run circles around you, and they're going to eat your lunch. Um, we heard some, I, I was talking to doctors earlier today about what they're going to do now that they've sold their medical practice. We heard from some of the professional athletes, what are they going to do when they stop playing? Uh, or Alistair, the surgeon, uh, what is he going to do when he stops doing surgery one day, right? So you have to look at what you're excited to do because if someone else is way more excited, they're going to be working on the airplane right on the way home while you pass out or you stream Hulu. If you can't make money off it, you're never going to hire anybody. It's just going to be you and it's going to be a struggle and it's not going to be rewarding enough to really scale over time, right? So someone will eat your lunch if you can't do all three of those things and what you choose to spend your time on as a family office or your investment platform. But then I added these three at the top. I like to focus on things which leverage my biggest strength, uh, where there's the most future demand, where there'll always be a ton of demand, and where there's very, very little competition. So nobody else has interviewed 100 billionaires that I know of and put it on a single website and then gathered all the public talks by billionaires so you can stream it all in one place. 
Uh, no one else had specialized really deeply in providing helpful information on how to start a family office. Uh, and so there's low competition there, but I don't think there's going to be a lack of demand for information from billionaires or insights from them. So that's an example of how we apply this. So if we're not sure which direction to go, we look at this and think about this, and then we can take action with conviction, even if everyone around us thinks we're crazy. Like when we bought privateequity.com for $138,000 and people thought I lost my mind, well, we sold it to some crypto nerd last year for $420,000. You know, but if you're focusing on your strength, then you can go with conviction. Uh, and sometimes other people might criticize you that you're doing too many things. But when you're focused on what Dan Sullivan describes as your unique ability and it fits this criteria, then you can add on extra things and not care what other people's criticism is because you know you're playing to your strengths and building on your momentum. Uh, Peter Thiel has a book called Zero to One. It's a great book. He talks about the way to predict the future is to be confident in something that's unfolding, even though other people doubt it and don't recognize it, and you have to have an action with conviction based on that, and that's the closest you can get to predicting the future. And that relates to having conviction built on all these points, so it's a well-rounded conviction and not just passion, not just excitement, not just money. Uh, persistence is one of the key things that's come up three or four times already in this conference. Um, and it's something that we've found a lot of our success comes from that. You know, billionaires.com, we spent 12 years negotiating that and followed up every three to five months. Dental Club is the largest social media asset in dentistry. It took me 14 months to negotiate that deal. Um, they wanted $3 million for it. And we were able to get the price cut down to about a fifth of that because of a unique structure we brought to it. Lots of times people tell us to go away. You're never going to get this deal done. Then we say, well, how about if we structure it this way? And they say, okay, let's get on the phone and talk about that. Um, so just persisting um, is a really important strategy to keep in mind, whether you're on the family office side or raising capital, um, et cetera. The deal I done with Alice from AMCAP earlier today, we followed up over 14 months, and they walked away from the table three times. And now this year, we've closed over $55 million of transactions uh, with her, her organization and another one that met here in the room. Structured Trump strategy. Uh, mentioned this on the first morning, but... If you have not gone really deep on investment structures and how to form different LLC share classes and how to have equity caps, equity buybacks, right of participations, have uh, equity warrants, to have special structures that, just like Thomas Handler developing 135 proprietary structures for his clients, whatever niche you're in, you need to, you need to put together your lattice work of 100 mental models that work for you. And like I said, we're here to provide you with 50 mental models on being a better private investor or family office or 50 models on raising more capital. But the other 50 need to come from what we are just talking about uh, on this slide back here, about your unique DNA and who you are and what you did in your past career and what your strengths and excitement is. And then it's the intersection of what we teach you, what you've learned from your schooling, from your past business, uh, businesses that you've owned, from peers and who you hang out with. And it's a combination of all that that will give you proprietary structures that nobody else has in your industry and doing something that's completely different in a way that works because it's playing to your strength, but nobody else is doing it in your industry. And Dan Kennedy talks about this, about having a multi-fold business. So does Jay Abraham. He says the most valuable business might be the business within your business that other people don't even know you're running. So when they look at your business, they don't even know how to duplicate or copycat your business because they don't even know where you're making the money or what's really turning the wheels or you know, what's really the foundation of it all. And so it makes it harder to copycat uh, what you're doing. So go really deep on structure if you haven't yet as a private investor or someone raising capital. And no offense to lawyers, because I'm friends with them and my brother's one, but when you go to a lawyer and you say, oh, well, how should I do this? 
Do you think they're going to say, let's come up with a complete, novel, creative, brand new structure that's going to be different than every other piece of legal work I've done for the last 20 years? Or do you think they're going to say, oh, well, this is how everyone does it, so I, that's the best practice. You should probably use this template. Either way, it might cost five, ten, twenty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, but some attorneys would much rather have a template document, have you do it like everybody else on planet Earth and tell you that's the best practice, but it's just going to look average to everybody else. Your brand, your structure, your strategy, your one sweat for you. So every time someone hears it, looks at it, sees it, they lean forward and say, whoa, that's different, or that's unique, or that's really valuable, or we've been looking for something like this. Ultra Healthy, we covered this morning. Uh, Paul is one of the two brothers uh, focused up there. Uh, Ricardo, we want to raise your hand there. We got your picture up here. It's my, my friend's Ricardo Giannini from here in Key Biscayne. So um, being ultra healthy is more important than ultra wealthy, but these things should not compete with each other. Being ultra healthy should fuel you being ultra wealthy, and it's way more important to invest in your health than anything else in your, else in your portfolio. If you don't invest in there, none of your other investments matter at all. When people ask me on podcasts, and I've been on over 200 of them, what's the most important thing when raising capital, or what's the most important thing as a private investor, I always say the same thing. I say it's integrity, not just in the definition of your morals aligning with your actions, it's integration of everything in your life. So the clothes you wear, the people you hang out with, the media you consume, where you go on vacation, what car you drive, your values of your company, the values of your family, the food you eat, all of that stuff, the more aligned it is with where you're trying to go, then the less friction there'll be in your life. And you all have had a bad team member or some energy vampire in your organization and you kicked them out too slowly. And that's friction and you feel it in your life. When you're, when you're not acting in line with your values, then that, that's friction. And so the less friction, then the more quickly you'll move towards your goals and others will either get out of your way or help you on your way because they see that you are aligned. And this morning when Kevin Harrington and Michael Scott, who came here never raising capital and had a $114 million exit, talked about high-velocity entrepreneurs. You do not get high-velocity with tons of friction dragging 15 anchors behind you. You know, you get high-velocity through discipline, through persistence, through hard work, through focusing on your strengths, and through having high integration of everything and collecting all those mental models that we've been talking about today. Um, strive to be a class act human. When people talk about being long-term greedy, listening first, adding value, not rushing a family office, not expecting a check from them today. When we talk about a $40 million check equaling $400, $100,000 checks, the message is to go slowly, get to know people, and add value first. And people want to do business with nice people or people that are like them. It's scientifically proven that they're influenced by you if they like you or see things similar in you as they do in themselves. And so doing things like one of our employees had a stroke and we paid them their full salary for months while they laid in a hospital bed. Doing things um, like giving people a bonus because they're in a hard time, even if they're almost about to be fired because you know they really need the bonus. Um, other examples of this, um, Jeff Hoffman talked about at our Super Summit last year. Um, and he had over half the room in tears and it was the same demographic as today. And I haven't seen many of you crying today, not yet. Uh, and so that was unique. And if you want to see that talk, it's probably the best talk we've had in 15 years running our club, and you can stream it for free uh, on billionaires.com. He's the inventor of the airport check-in kiosk, so definitely check that out. Um, he talks about the same message. So think before acting. If you can take advantage of somebody, they know it, you know it, and you don't do it, you build a much better relationship than if you do take advantage of them obviously, but that's not always done, especially Wall Street sharp elbow types or commercial real estate agent types. Um, do what is right and set the standard. 
Um, if you're not honest with your clients and your team sees that, then they might not be honest with you and now you're all just lying to each other. So nothing means anything when you talk, right? Um, Mark Cuban, when we interviewed him, talked about being nice to other people. The media and sometimes himself kind of portrays himself as an uh, intense person uh, oftentimes or can be super direct. But that was one of his biggest pieces of advice to us when he interviewed him. Uh, Jeff Hoffman, Sarah Blakely talked about having a sense of humor. Like, why does everyone have to always be so serious? You know, you saw Paul up here, probably one of the most successful people on stage all day, and he had Hulk socks on and Spider-Man cufflinks and some sort of shoes I've never seen before um, at a conference, right? And so, you know, on some level, he's having fun and enjoying his life, but he's still super successful and probably the hardest working person, uh, one of the hardest working people I've ever met. So just being a class act human is how I describe it, but it helps you become more influential. Uh, Bruce Lee says that being calm is a superpower when everyone's frantic and stressed out, high anxiety. So that's something that increases your influence. 